feeling it today. <laughs> I'm not sure we even need, uh, need me to get up here. Worship uh, is incredible and it's such a blessing. Uh, if you're watching online, you've got to come one Sunday and just experience what it's like in the room to see the people of God come alive with the, the Spirit of God in this place and give Him the honor, the glory, the worship, the praise that He and He alone is due. Welcome this morning. I'm really glad you're here. I know some of you, some of you, it was an act of God to get here. Some of you, you had to pry yourself out of bed to be here. But by the grace of God, you are here, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, I believe God has a word for all of us today, and I pray that our time together will, will bless and encourage and lift your spirit today. We're in the middle of a series in these days leading up to Easter that we're simply calling God is for us. And this is what we believe. We believe that we serve a God who knows us by name, who loves us just as we are, and who has chosen us to be a part of his family. We believe that he is with us and he is for us. We believe that is true. But did you know that this is also true? Did you know that God, your God, our God, prays for us? Did you know that God prays for us? Um, throughout this, this series, we've been passing around these cards. I'm going to ask some friends to come and pass these out again. Uh, on these cards, what we're asking you to do uh, is to, to write down a time in your life where, where you're, maybe you didn't know it then, but now looking back, you can see that that was a time in your life when God was carrying you, when he was with you, when he was for you. Maybe you've done this already. If that's you, I want to ask you to do it again. Chances are this has happened more than once in your life. You've got more than one story to tell. If you haven't done this yet, I would love for you to do this because we need to be reminded and we need, we need to remember that, that this is true, especially when we're in the middle of that difficult time in our life. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, take time today before you leave. Uh, in the foyer on your left as you exit, we, we're filling the wall with these God is for us stories. And especially if you're in the middle right now of a difficult time, go back and read the stories. Go back and read stories of people in this church who have experienced God's goodness, his faithfulness to them in the middle of their own adversity. I, I think it'll be an encouragement to you as well. Today, what I want to do, if you would take time to fill this out while I'm talking, we'll collect these at the end. But what I want to do today is I want to, I want to share with you one of, one of my family's God is for us stories. And I don't share this story very often because it's a, it's a very personal story. It's a deeply personal story to me and to my family. And, and I know I, I share a lot of family stories. I share, if you've been around Riverside very long, you know this. I, I love to tell stories. And I always, just so you know, I always ask for their permission, at least most of the time, before I tell any stories uh, on my family. But this one, I, I wanted to get permission, and I did for my family, and especially for my son, Will, because this, this directly involves him. Uh, here's a picture on the screen, I believe of a blog post I, uh, I wrote in 2014. Within just a matter of hours of posting this, um, over 3,000 people around the globe, literally, um, had responded to this request. As you can see from the title, we're asking for people at this time to pray for our son, Will. Uh, in this picture, uh, he's eight years old. Uh, we're living in Atlanta, and um, he's... he's uh, He's got this, this, this place on his ear, this dark spot. Um, Alicia, being the mom that she is, a good mother, uh, was concerned about this. Me, being father of the year, I thought it's no big deal. You know, rub some dirt on it. He's going to be just fine. Um, you know, God has a way of putting the right people at the right place at the right time. You ever experienced this? 
And at this moment in time, we're living in Atlanta. Will's playing on a little league baseball team there. And I'm, I'm coaching his team one night for practice. And Alicia's sitting in the stands getting to know one of the moms of one of the other boys on the team. And as it turns out, she works at a dermatology office. And so she asked her, hey, after practice, would you just look at Will and just tell me, is this something I should be worried about or it's no big deal? You know, what's your opinion? She's like, sure, look at it. And after practice is over, Will comes over and she takes one look and she's like, yeah, you, you better get that checked out. So Alicia uh, books an appointment with a pediatric dermatologist. And, you know, now we're a few days, weeks away from that first conversation out. Now they're at this office with this dermatologist. I'm in Mexico on a mission trip. And I get a phone call from Alicia. And she normally doesn't bother me when I'm on a mission trip. Uh, but she called me, and so I knew it was important. And I answered the phone. And sure enough, they're at the office of this dermatologist. And she takes one look at it. And she's like, yeah, this is something we need to be concerned about. In fact, we need to get a biopsy and we need to do it like right now, today. Um, that didn't go well. Uh, both my wife and my son have an aversion to needles and really to anyone cutting things off their body. And so that didn't happen that day. Um, and the, they made the decision, let's wait till dad gets home. Maybe I can take him and we can, we can get this done. So roll the clock forward a few more days, a few more weeks. We've got an appointment now at this point with one of the leading oncologists in Atlanta. Again, God just putting the right people, the right place, the right time. Um, we're at his office. He is, he is an expert in uh, melanoma, which is what they're concerned about. I don't know much about this. Some of you that are doctors in the room, you could probably tell us more, but um, I'll tell you the best of what I understood and what I remember. Um, most kids, or, or it's extremely rare, I'll say it that way, in kids, for kids to have melanoma. But because of that, it's also extremely dangerous. It's very serious. And so we walk into this oncology office, this doctor who, who specializes in melanoma. And as you might imagine, we are by far the youngest people in the waiting room. Uh, most people there are significantly older than us. In fact, when I walk up to the receptionist, she was convinced we were in the wrong place. But then I'm like, no. I explained to her who we are and why we were there. And she's like, all right, take a seat. The doctor uh, is ready for us, and we're called back to an exam room. And this guy doesn't work with children. But let me just tell you, he was phenomenal. Um, he took Will into his arms and, and looked uh, at him real close and did what he does. And he was like, yeah, this, is, this isn't right. We need, to, we need to take this seriously. We need to get a, get a biopsy. In fact, we need to get it today. Well, we've been down the street before. Um, he wanted to do the biopsy, but without going into all the details, let me just say it was one of the most difficult days of my life. And I think Will would say maybe one of the most, if not the most difficult days in his life as well. They did not get a biopsy that day. The doctor finally came out to talk to me and he said, um, I think what we need to do is, is we need to go to the hospital. We need to book an OR. We're going to put him under general anesthesia. And I promise you, this is not going to take me 60 seconds. But I'm going to go ahead and, and, and take the biopsy there, and then we'll send it off to get uh, tested and looked at. So roll the clock forward now a few more days, a few more weeks, and we're at the hospital. Um, they take Will back into the operating room, and like they promised, it didn't take any time at all. They put Will under. They take the biopsy. They stitch him up. We go get ice cream. And this is where the real waiting began. Um, again, one of the things that we didn't know is that in children, it's, it's almost impossible to distinguish um, 
whether these abnormal cells were, were cancerous or not. In fact, in children, they, they, they have almost identical, they're almost identical in terms of appearance. And, and so the test results from, those, from that initial biopsy, it was just inconclusive. They really couldn't tell. And the test that they needed to do on the biopsy to, to give us the answer, hey, is it, is it cancer or not, that was a test that, according to our insurance, was categorized as a genetic test. And for us, our insurance didn't cover genetic testing, and so they, they, we were struggling with them trying to get this test approved because what we really wanted was just this one test to see if this, is, if this is what it is or not. Can you just help us with this? Those days turned into weeks. I spend many hours on the phone every week, mostly on hold with our insurance, trying to get this thing sorted out, trying to get this thing figured out. Our doctors, they're, they're in it with us. They're undeterred. They're working with us. But all that just means more time, more waiting. What our doctor told us was that if it was melanoma, if it was cancer, what that would mean is that they would have to remove a piece of his ear. like the, the, He said it's like the shape of a pizza. Just think about cutting that, like a section out like that and removing several lymph nodes in that same area. That would be the, the next step if it was melanoma, if it was cancer. So this was kind of some pretty serious stuff hanging in the balance here. They're going to alter his appearance. There's going to be some pretty major things in play here if this is melanoma. But we're just stuck right now in this not knowing, in this uncertainty, in these days that we're turning into weeks and weeks that we're turning into months, and we just, we just don't know, and we can't get any answers. You ever been there? What do you do when you're in the middle of the unknown? What do you do when you're stuck in uncertainty? What do you, what do, you do when you got more questions than answers? I'll tell you what it felt like for our family. It just felt like this dark cloud was just sitting on us. We're stuck in this in-between moment of life, and, and, and we, we know where we've been, but we're not sure what's coming next. And it's just like this weight is just laying on you, you know? What I don't want to do today is compare my story to your story. Some of you have got your own stories of heartache, of uncertainty, of problems of pain. Some of you have been through things I can't imagine. Some of you are living with pain that will never go away. Some of you have got problems that don't have answers. Some of you, you haven't just been waiting for, for days or weeks or months. You've been waiting for years. Some of you have been waiting for a lifetime. And some of those problems you're facing, some of those things that you're up against, you know, it, it, it might be physical pain, but it may not. It may be mental. It may be emotional. It may be relational. It may be some other kind of pain. There's people in other parts of the world right now, and they're living, they're living as victims of the decisions made by other people in power. And now they're, they're living in the devastation of war or poverty or trafficking or all these other atrocities that are happening all around the world in different parts of the world. And the reality is, is that we're living in a world that's just been completely and utterly broken. And it's been broken by sin. That's the reason. And the problem for all of us is that so many of these things, like we wish there was something we could do. You wish you had a magic wand and you, you could wave it and just fix it. But the things we're up against, they can't be fixed so easily or so quickly. There are things that can't be mended. There are things that can't be put, to the, put back together, at least not, not the way we want, as quick as we want. We've got more questions than we have answers and we don't know what to do. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, what, what we finally begin to realize, and we talked about this last week, but, 
but, but the more you wade into these waters, the more you realize the truth of this is that suffering, it's, it's part of walking with Jesus. That, that when you said yes to Jesus, that all that didn't go away. That it's still a part of the journey, it's still part of the human experience. And even more than that, there's a way in which it's part of the spiritual life. But you still got questions. What do you do? What do you do when you're living in the middle of uncertainty? What do you do when you're living in the middle of the unknown? What do you do when you're in those in-between moments of life? The good news is that there, there is a promise. And today what I want us to do is I want us to lean into that promise together. If you have uh, your Bible or if you have the YouVersion Bible app, I'd love to encourage you to open to Romans chapter 8. What we want to do in these days leading up to Easter is keep working through this chapter, uh, this, this letter that was written to the Romans by a man named Paul some 2,000 years ago. What he wanted to do in this letter, one of the things he wanted to do was to remind them in the middle of their own pain, in the middle of their own problems, in the middle of their own suffering, that this is true, that God is with us and that God is for us. But he also wanted them to know that, that, that when you say yes to Jesus, it doesn't make all those problems and all that pain go away. But there is a promise. There is a promise for those who say yes to Jesus. What you, what you probably know, it probably goes without saying, but just to get us all on the same page, 2,000 years ago, if we, could, if we could travel back in time, you know this is true. 2,000 years ago, medicine wasn't nearly as advanced as it is today. Even though there's things today that we just can't cure or fix the way we wish we could, that was, that was even less true 2,000 years ago, right? 2,000 years ago, people were still dealing with, with things like war, persecutions. Uh, there were these emperors who believed themselves to be gods. There were warlords who loved to wreak havoc, and people died unimaginable deaths at the hands of those in power. There were natural disasters. There were plagues. There were pandemics and epidemics. The mortality rate for people, for children, crazy low. So many things they were up against. So when Paul's writing these words to these believers in Jesus, living in the ancient city of Rome, they understood just like many of you understand, what it's like to live with pain, with problem, with difficulty, with hardship. They know what it's like when you got more questions than answers. But Paul wants to remind them that in the middle of all that, there is a promise. And here's the promise. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, he begins with this. He says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. You may want to underline that. You may want to screenshot that. This is, this is a promise that you may, some of you may need to hold on to this promise today. This may be your lifeline. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. This is how much God is for us. God understood that this was going to be true, that, that there's no way you could make it through this life on your own. And so God decided to give you not a piece of himself, okay, God decided not, not to give you a part of himself. God decided to give you all of himself. You see, the Holy Spirit is not a piece of God. The Holy Spirit isn't part of God. The Holy Spirit is God. And so what Paul says is, I want you to understand as a follower, as a believer 
of G in Jesus, this is what's true for you. The Holy Spirit, God, helps you in your weakness. He is your helper. He is your advocate. He is your counselor. He is your comfort. And the Holy Spirit, this is what Paul, this is what Peter, this is what Jesus said was true, that when you confess Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life and you walk into the waters of baptism, this is what happens. God washes away your sins. Yes, absolutely. You know what else happens? You get the gift of the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. So it's not just that God is with you. It's not just that God is for you. God is in you. And the Holy Spirit helps you in your weakness. I think it's why Paul was able to say in another place to another group of Christians this. He says, God's power, because the Holy Spirit is living in me, God's power is made perfect in my weakness. He said, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And then he said this, therefore I delight, I boast in my weakness. Now, I don't know about you. I don't like to admit, much less boast about my weaknesses. But Paul says this, you can, you can not only delight, you can boast in your weakness when God is living in you. This becomes a part of your testimony, right? We've said this all along, that, that your testimony, it comes from adversity where, where in that moment of pain, in that problem, in that suffering you were going through, God had the opportunity to prove that he is faithful. But this is also, this is also where testimony comes from. Your testimony also comes from those moments in life where you are able to confess your weakness. And where in the middle of that weakness, God was able to prove that he is faithful, that he really is with you, that he really is for you. And this is what happens when you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And Paul says, let me give you an example of how this works. Let me give you an example of, of, of exactly how the Holy Spirit helps you in your weakness. Here's an example. For example, we don't know. We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but you want some good news? But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit prays for us. You may want to underline that one too. You may want to screenshot this one too. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, your Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. If you ask me, this is just one more reason why you need to step into the waters of baptism. This is one more reason why you need to confess that Jesus Christ really is the Lord, really is the Savior, that he really is who he says he is. Because when you do, yeah, your sins are washed away. That's really good news. But here's the best news. Now you have the Holy Spirit living within you praying for you. And just so you know, I know we say this every week, but let me give you the update. We are now 14 days away from Easter Sunday, 14 days away from Resurrection Sunday, 14 days away from what we call here at Riverside Baptism Sunday. And just so you know, there's no pressure on anyone to get baptized that day. You can get baptized any day, anytime, night or day. We do this really for two reasons. One, because some of you need an opportunity to, to, to talk with somebody you love about baptism. And this just gives you an excuse. It gives you a reason. It gives you a chance to say, hey, can we talk about this? What are you, what are you thinking about this? For others of you, you've been thinking about this. And this gives you an opportunity to say, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to confess that Jesus is who he says he is. I'm ready to walk into the waters of baptism. I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I'm ready for all of that. We do it for that reason. Today in your inbox, if you're on our email list, you got an email from Riverside about Baptism Sunday. And just to go ahead and tell you, there's two things in that email I want you to know about. 
first. I know some of you have questions, and so there's some, some answers to what you might call some frequently asked questions in that email. And there's some scriptures that you can go. If you want to read more about what the Bible says about baptism, you can find all of that in that email. But you can also find a place where you can let us know if you're thinking about getting baptized or someone that you love is thinking about getting baptized that day. As we kind of get ready for and ramp up to Easter Sunday, we would love to know how we can help you in that way. And so just let us know if you're thinking about that. But this is what, what Paul says. I want you to understand this is one of the ways when you confess Jesus Christ, when you're united with Christ in baptism, the Holy Spirit is living within you. This is one of the, way, one of the ways the Holy Spirit helps you. The Holy Spirit prays for you. And I don't know about you, but, but if you've been a follower of Jesus for very long, you've probably bumped up against this moment in time where, where you just didn't know what to pray for. You ever experienced that? When you tried to pray, but you honestly just didn't know what to pray for. Maybe you were tired, just worn out, fatigued. You came to this moment of prayer before God and you were just like, I got nothing. You're just exhausted. Or maybe the situation was so hard or so bad or felt so helpless or so hopeless that, again, you just, you just honestly you just didn't know what to pray for. Do you pray for the person that you care so much about? Do you pray for their healing? Or do you pray that they could peacefully enter the arms of Jesus? Do you pray for that person you care so much about to repent? Or do you pray that they would somehow hit rock bottom and finally turn their life around and be transformed by God, get the help that they need? Do you pray for the relationship For reconciliation? Or are you praying for forgiveness? And for some way to move forward, whatever that means? You come to these moments in life, and maybe nobody ever told you this, but there's sometimes when you go to pray and you you don't know what to pray for. You honestly don't know what to pray for. But here's the good news. God does. The Holy Spirit does. And when you don't know what to pray for you or for the ones you love, God prays for you. God knows exactly what you need. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what to ask for, knows exactly what to ask your Father in heaven to provide. And when you don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit prays for you. This is just one example. Paul says, let me give you one example. There's a hundred examples I can give you. Let me give you one. The Holy Spirit prays for you. This is how the Holy Spirit helps you in your weakness. That's a promise, but here's another promise, verse 28. You may know this verse. Paul says this next, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Paul doesn't say that, that everything's going to work out for your prosperity, 
Paul doesn't say that God wants you to be happy. Paul doesn't say that God's going to give you what you want, when you want. Paul doesn't say that all your problems, all your pain is going to be alleviated. What he says is that God is always working. And in the middle of what you're going through, whatever the pain, whatever the difficulty, it's not in vain. And you are not alone. And whatever it is, no matter how hard it is, God is working for your good and for his glory. We don't talk about this a lot. But the reality is, is that what happens more often than not is your spiritual formation, it happens through adversity. Your growth, it happens through resistance, through difficulty, through tension, sometimes through pain. We, we know this like in nature, like a plant has to push up through the earth before it can bloom, right? A tree, it has to endure the wind before it can bear fruit and bring that fruit to, to be ripe and ready to eat. If you want to get stronger, you have to go and you have to lift heavy things frequently and regularly, right? That the only way for you to experience growth and change is to go through hardship and pain and resistance and difficulty. We, we know this is true, but this is also true in your spiritual life, your spiritual formation, your growth. It comes, it comes through pain. It comes through adversity. But here's the promise. When you go through whatever you go through, and you go through it with God, here's the promise. God's going to work all that together for your good, for your growth, and for his ultimate glory. So what, what adversity are you up against? What problem are you trying to solve? What are you facing right now that's so hard? Uh, here's the rest of the story for us, of this story actually. Uh, it was October 22nd, 4.30 p.m. when I got the call. Um, we had hit a dead end with the insurance. They had denied the test that we need that would tell us if, if what Will had was melanoma, was it cancer, was it not. They denied that test altogether. But our, our doctor was, was so good, very well connected, talking to people literally across the nation. And through that, he had, he had gotten in touch with two doctors in the United States who have the ability, the expertise, and the equipment to look at our son's biopsy and could tell us with a high degree of certainty whether it was cancerous or not. One of these doctors was in San Francisco. One was in Boston. He'd reached out to both. Uh, the doctor in Boston reached back and said, hey, I would love to help. And so they sent the slides off to the doctor in Boston. So now, again, we're into more waiting days, weeks, months. It felt like eternity, right? But finally, he was able to look at those slides and he called our doctor and then our doctor called us. And he gave us the good news. I'm pretty sure, like 95, 98% certain, your son does not have melanoma. And I wish you could have been in our kitchen that night when we got our family together and we told Will the good news. It was like a cloud had been lifted. It was like prayers had been answered. And I'll tell you what we learned from that. We learned that we had family and friends and family who were friends and people we had never met before who were praying for us and carrying us through that time. You can see I put, a, I put a, another blog post up and it, it said, thank you. <laughs> thank you to all of you who have been praying for us, to all of you who have been carrying us through this incredibly crazy, insane time in our life. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you so much. Here's what else we learned. And I'll just be honest. In the moment, we didn't see it. In the moment, we 
we really couldn't even feel it because the darkness was just weighing on us. But in, in the middle of that time in our life, I can tell you now, looking back, I can tell you what I can see now that I couldn't see then, is that we were not alone. Because not only did we have family and friends and people who loved us and who were carrying us, but our God was with us. And our Father in heaven was carrying us through what was one of the most difficult times in our life. And not only that, but our Father in heaven was praying for us. And I tell you that story today because I know some of you, you've got your own stories. And let's just be really honest. Some of them didn't have a happy ending. Some of you, you're in the middle of it and you're not sure how it's going to end. And I'm not, I'm not here to say it's all going to be okay, okay? I wish I could tell you that. I wish I could wave a magic wand. I wish I could make it all go away. But, but I don't have that. And what we believe in isn't magic, okay? What we believe in is God. What we believe in is a promise that you, whatever you're walking through, you don't walk alone. What we believe in is that when you're going through the hardest parts of your life, God carries you. And what we believe is that one day he will carry you home and that one day everything will be right and everything will be new. That's the promise. And if you're going through something or if you've been through something or if you're not there yet, but you're gonna one day go through something, I wanna tell you something to hang on to today. Here it is. God, your God, your Father in heaven, he is intimately aware and he is actively involved in the details of your life. And when you're going through whatever you're going through, you are not alone. And he is always working. And I'll tell you this because you, you need to know this. So often, it's in invisible ways. You're not going to see it. You're not going to understand it. You're not going to know it. It's impossible to know. It's impossible to see. It's impossible to understand. But I want you to know it's true. Just like if you're a parent, you do this for your kids. Your kids have no idea how often you are working for them on their behalf, for their good. But you always are. You're doing things that they have no idea about. They may never know about, but you're always working for their good and for their benefit in the very same way times a billion. Your Father in heaven is working for you. All things together for your good for his ultimate glory. And when you're going through that difficult time in your life, I want you to understand, God isn't just with you. He isn't just for you. He's living inside of you. And he loves you so much, he's praying for you. That's how loved you are by your God, your Father in heaven. Church, if you would, let's stand. What we're tempted to think is that God doesn't know, He doesn't see, and He doesn't care. But that's a lie from the enemy. God does see, God does know, and God does care. I'm going to ask these guys to come forward and pass these baskets around. If you've got a God is for us story you've written down, I want to ask you to let us collect those so we can put those on the wall. And I want to encourage you once again to go back and make sure you take time to read some of these stories. Because I think what you're going to find is that in the middle of pain, in the middle of resistance, in the middle of difficulty, there's one thing that seems to always be true. God's always working. God's always for us. God's always with us. And what's even better is he's living in us. And he's praying for us. Your God sees, your God knows, your God cares more than you know.
And even when you can't pray for you, your God prays for you. This morning before we sing, I just want to make one simple invitation, and that's this. If you're in the middle of it, if you're going through it, and you need someone to pray with you, pray over you, I just want you to know I'm going to be in the back of the room over here, and I would love to pray with you, pray over you. I see Doug, one of our elders. I'm going to ask him to make his way to the back. I think Drew's here as well, one of our elders. They're going to be in the back. If you need someone to pray with you, pray over you, we would love to do that. We would love to usher you into the presence of God. I know after our first gathering, there were people that wanted to come pray with us because they're just up against some hard stuff right now. And if that's you, we want to usher you into the presence of your God, who, by the way, is praying for you right now. And I want you to know that this is true, that God is actively involved. And he is intimately aware of the details of your life because he loves you. Sing.